This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.com for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House USA, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders in America. My name is Nick Hoadley and I'm the CEO of Insurance Search. We specialize in helping insurance businesses grow and multiply their growth by attracting, recruiting and retaining the highest performing insurance professionals in the country. Each week in the Coffee House, we interview leading insurance business leaders and discover how they achieve their success, learn what advice they have for other aspiring insurance business leaders, and we discover what makes their business an attractive proposition for high-performing talent. This week, we're joined by David Vanolek, who is the Chief Operating Officer for Claims at Markel. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, uh, thank you, Nick. Uh, definitely uh, very happy to be here, and thank you for um, inviting me. That is our pleasure, David, our pleasure. We're really looking forward to hearing from you today, finding out about your career and your experience so far and what advice and insights you might have for some of the aspiring insurance business leaders out there. David, before we move into the main questions of our interview today, can I just ask you just to share with the listeners a little bit more about your background yourself, how you got into the insurance industry and the work you're now doing there at Markel? Absolutely, Nick. You know, my my, my route or my path uh, into the insurance industry it, like like many of us, uh, particularly on the claim side of the house, was a little circuitous. Um, I actually, uh, by training and by background, um, after college, uh, ended up uh, attending you know law school um, in, in California, and uh, it was it was pretty much set in my mind that I was focused in on becoming uh, an attorney uh, at, a, at a law firm in, in private practice, in particular, uh, handling civil litigation. That was that was my main you know driver and desire. Uh, it was to uh, focus in on, on civil litigation, and in particular, you know, more along the lines of you know professional liability defense work, representing financial institutions, security broker dealers, uh, and, and that sort of thing. And back in the um, in the uh, and I know I'm dating myself a little bit. Uh, back in the late '90s, it, w- it was really a fascinating time to to be part of a, a private practice back in San Francisco. Uh, and it was also during the time when um, the dot-com boom and subsequent bust took place back back in 2001, which uh, really culminated in a, in a great wave and, and deal of um, you know litigation, you know particularly uh, involving you know securities and uh, you know uh, litigation uh, against uh, investment advisors, and really it, it created a lot of opportunities to understand. Uh, the inner workings of, of many institutions, uh, really helping the overall industry, you know, document better uh, investment objectives, you know, risk tolerances, everything that you see today, quite honestly. And it, it was um, it, it was really a fascinating, you know, time to be you know part of of, of that particular world. And, and of course, that continued to, to evolve into to more you know commercial litigation, you know, breach of contract work, uh, representing financial institutions, as you can imagine. Uh, there were, you know, quite a few promissory notes that that may have been, um, you know, breached uh, at that particular point in time. And, you know, from from my own personal perspective, while it was very, 
uh, rewarding. And I was continuing to expand and grow in terms of my technical expertise when it came to civil litigation, uh, as well as kind of subject matter expertise in some of these areas. Uh, one, one of the things that really fascinated me uh, about you know, being an attorney in a corporate environment, in, in, in particular insurance, was, was the ability to build towards something. You know, as, as a litigator, I, I sometimes would share that we, would, we were always very good at learning how to um, you know, break things down or destroy things, right? But, but it was always the, uh, the transactional uh, attorneys who were able to you know, you know, put you know, M&A deals together and, and help you know, um, form you know, skylines of big cities. And, and it was always, it, I was always a bit envious to, to see that if you're able to build a book of business, see it grow profitably, uh, and, and it really helped utilize or use the skills of an attorney to do that. Is there, is there, was there a field that I could, you know, jump into to, to, to do something comparable? And in, for me, that, that path was insurance and, and in particular a claims department. And specifically, you know, when I, when I moved from San Francisco to, to the Chicago area, uh, joining up with, with Mark Hell uh, as a senior claim attorney in their professional liability claims department, uh, defending, you know, all sorts of, of professionals, architects and engineers, you know, uh, you know, title insurance agents, agents and brokers, uh, IT professionals, uh, investment advisors, uh, uh, healthcare professionals, um, you know, directors and officers. I mean, just you, you name it, you know, stepping into that particular role, you, you could see how utilizing those skill sets as a litigator could help with the uh, handling of the underlying situations but yet you were building towards, you know, growing books of, of business. Uh, and that was very, very rewarding for me. Uh, and it probably speaks to uh, my longevity here at Markel. And it's been a little over 13 years now, <laughs> which uh, seems like a blink of an eye to me. And I can tell you that the time has passed uh, quite, uh, quite quickly. But, um, you know, as I continued to, you know, move through the various lines of professional liability, overseeing, you know, new businesses uh, as we acquired, you know, different companies over the years, you know, it gave me more of an opportunity to move into my current role as the uh, claims chief operating officer, where now I'm not solely focused on a single claim business division within Markel, i.e. professional liability, but in fact, my particular team support all of the claims business divisions uh, throughout the company, including our, our casualty lines, our you know, property, you know, marine, um, you know, select risk groups, our, our, our reinsurance teams, our surety teams. And so it, it really has um, opened up my eyes to, to a much broader uh, swath of, of products and, and, and teams uh, in, in finding new ways to help support, you know, all of those different groups. So I, I, I hope that answered your, your question. It was uh, just trying to give you some semblance of of my background and, and how I how I came into this particular role. Yeah, thank you so much, David. In in terms of your transitioning from private practice to insurance, you can clearly see the the skills and the experience that you would bring along with you to a carrier in a claims division within a carrier. How did the opportunity come about, and how did you find that transition from private practice into working in an in insurance division? It's uh, you know, it, it was interesting. There were there was an individual actually at Markel who, uh, although I never worked with them at the one of the the law firms I worked at in San Francisco, uh, they apparently had uh, joined Markel 
in its in its uh, claim department in, in a comparable role. And it was through that connection that I learned of an opportunity when it opened up. And that opportunity was a, there was a uh, an attorney in the claim department who uh, was looking at expanding her skill sets. And, and so she found an opportunity in a role that had opened up in our uh, legal and regulatory uh, department, our corporate you know, legal department. And so when she transitioned over, that created the opening that uh, I had ended up uh, applying for and, and, and you know, was successful in, in, in obtaining. I, I would definitely say that the transition from, you know, uh, from private practice into a, a claim department was uh, the, the learning curve was, was, was relatively steep, uh, to, to be honest. And, and even though I was handling a, a fairly large you know, uh, caseload uh, at the time, maybe you know, roughly 25, 30, 35 you know, files in, in the law firm environment, you know, that immediately jumped up to you know, almost 150. And, and, and one of the key things that I, I, I typically ask anyone who's coming over directly from private practice is in terms of their mindset, you, 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 you utilize your litigation skills to help analyze and assess the claims and perhaps formulate uh, resolution strategies. Uh, on, on the flip side, uh, you are not the underlying attorney. So you cannot get so far into the, the, the details and, and the nuances um, like, like you did when you were in private practice. And, and, it, and I actually had shared with some folks that um, if, if you're unable to separate yourself from stepping into the shoes of defense counsel, then unfortunately, you you won't succeed in this particular role. You do have to develop um, uh, not not just have a you know your litigation hat, but a business hat uh, and a business mindset uh, in order to find um, the best path forward uh, for resolution. So, in other words, it, it's not just about you know uh, winning and I put winning in in air quotes, right? Uh, a litigator thinks winning is you know. It could be scorched earth litigation and, and prevailing, you know, at a trial at the end of the day. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, the insurance business, uh, all the witnesses involved, you know, the, the other parties, everyone may be completely exhausted and out of resources. That's, that's not winning, right, in, in, in the larger sense. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in order to make that transition, uh, you really do need to have much more of a, of a business uh, mindset uh, while utilizing those litigation skill sets uh, in, in in some of the the day to day uh, analyses, um, and and that's that that's probably the, the best way to, to 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 think about it, particularly if you're not coming from uh, another carrier, but you're coming over directly from from a law firm environment. And, and quite honestly, we we do recruit um, uh, from from law firms, you know, directly, uh, you know, quite quite a bit. Uh, because we are happy to to train those individuals and identify those individuals that we believe have have the transferable skill sets in that particular regard. But it sounds like it's about training them to form a higher level view of, of the claims that they're responsible for, rather than getting right down into the nitty of the legal details. It's keeping that higher level view, keeping that relationship with the customer. Absolutely, yeah, that that is absolutely paramount, and it is having that uh, that customer centric mindset, which, um, I mean, when you're in private practice, you know, you are also, you know, focused on, on, on the customer, but, but I think it's, it's, it, it, it's even more elevated, you know, beyond that, you know, within the, um, uh, the, the carrier environment, uh, 
in particular because you recognize that there there are broader relationships and and, and there's more at stake too and, and that there is um you know you, you do need to keep that in mind uh when, when approaching uh the resolution of, of of a particular claim and deploying certain strategies and, and what that means not just quite honestly for the claim at hand uh, but also um, future litigation involving that particular policyholder, uh, or perhaps um, that uh, that band of or, or type of, of policyholder. We really do think uh, fairly broadly in that regard, um, and that's when you are in private practice, uh, in practicing in your particular state, you may not necessarily have that perspective. Not because you're you know don't have the the skill set to to recognize that, but you don't have the uh, the breadth of uh, experiences which would allow you to to arrive at those conclusions. Taking that long, long-term view and that commercial approach. David, can I just ask you about the, the makeup of your division there at, at Markel in terms of uh, numbers of people that you have within the division and also the locations that you operate from? Absolutely, Nick. And and um, with with respect to, uh, again, my particular role you know, as the Chief Operating Officer for Claims, uh, there are approximately, you know, 85 individuals spread across uh, multiple offices. Uh, and again, I'm putting offices in air quotes, uh, speaking a little pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, post-COVID, uh, we have, you know, folks in those general areas, but things are a little bit different now, not just at, at my company, but uh, I'm, I'm sure at, at most uh, companies in the industry and across industries, but um, the, the the division is really um, uh, tranched in three major areas. Uh, the first uh, grouping is is probably what I, what I would call the the run the engine uh, operations, which is your you know your claims intake. You know how are we ingesting uh, all of the uh, new claims uh, from uh, around almost I would say the, the the world, but at least throughout North America and Bermuda and that sort of thing, uh, and then. Um, how are we setting up those new losses um, in, in, across those different product lines, and then uh, ensuring that they are assigned to you know the proper claim business divisions around the company again, which are spread across um, multiple multiple locations, and then uh, assisting with the um, another you know major facet of that includes um, the payment you know claims payment piece, not not so much on the indemnity and loss side, but more on the expense payment side uh, with respect to uh, our, our many vendors. And I'll, I'll speak to that other you know, tranche uh, in, in a moment. And, and then also our examiner support teams, which uh, you know provide assistance uh, to the various groups, including uh, our, our call centers, which uh, take in all forms of query, including uh, some, some new losses over the phone from time to time. So uh, that that's that's one major tranche. Another major tranche is uh, the our claim vendor management office, uh, which is really comprised of our vendor relations teams uh, as well as our bill review teams. And, and um, uh, again, being a large organization, uh, utilizing uh, you know hundreds of uh, vendors, uh, whether they be law firm vendors, independent adjusters, you know third party administrators, we do you know centralize uh, that that particular you know process, make that very visible. Uh, obtain um, you know uh, regular input from all the claim business divisions as to you know uh, what services uh, should be provided and what they need and aligning those resources together you know obtaining rate conformance you know retainer packet conformance all all of all of that uh, uh, com- comes together within uh, those two particular groups and then unlike uh, some of the other 
carriers uh, that we're familiar with, we do have a, um, a, a small internal uh, bill review team. So uh, much like most of the industry, there, you know, we do utilize an electronic billing platform that um, uh, takes in the invoices uh, from, from all various uh, vendors, and those are reviewed internally. Uh, we, we do it a little bit differently um, by having an internal team. I, I know that, that some uh, most carriers uh, are typically outsourcing that particular function. I, I think from, from our perspective, by having it internal and, and aligned uh, by, by product line, uh, we have more of an opportunity to create greater visibility at the desk level within the claim business division. And, uh, you know, having uh, the ability to not just, uh, you know, review those files, review those file notes to, to have a better understanding of, of the invoices that are coming in, but being able to pick up the phone or, or, or you know, walk down to, to the end of the, uh, you know, uh, cubicle row, again, pre-COVID, <laughs> and, and having conversations uh, with folks internally uh, to have a deeper, better understanding of what, what's, you know, what's transpiring versus um, other platforms, which are more uh, external, right? And 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 maybe they're taking "quote unquote" industry adjustments uh, to to invoices. We 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 find that uh, by doing it the way we're doing, we have it. We have a stronger uh, relationship, and it strengthens strengthens the relationship with our strategic partners, uh, and in working hand in hand with them to find the best resolution for our policyholders. So. So that that is one of the key reasons why we why we've set it up that way. Last but not least, final tranche that that rolls up to me. And again, all of these uh, different arms support all of the different claim business divisions around Markel, and we have uh, probably you know, close to 420 claims personnel you know spread across um, the organization. Uh, but the last um, uh, but but very key piece of what we do is our um, claims compliance. Uh, and, and reporting division, which is um, primarily responsible for three major areas. Uh, one is what I would call before a claim even walks in the door, what are the legal and regulatory requirements um, that, that we're required to uh, comply with, right? Just your licensing pops to mind, right? So aggregating that, you know, training to, to, you know, to that, having new hires, you know, understanding that, onboarding them, centralizing that in, in, a, in a single function really, really helps drive better compliance with that piece. The, the next major piece within that group is uh, what I would call your, your normal legal and regulatory requirements for handling claim files in a particular jurisdiction and then auditing to those particular results. And then, of course, you know, handling, you know, whether they be market conduct exams that entail uh, a claims thread uh, or, or data calls that might come in, that, that's, that's all part of that particular group. And then the last piece is, is the reporting arm. Like, again, uh, I was mentioning data calls uh, during the COVID period. You know, many regulatory bodies uh, were I- issuing uh, data call- calls quite often. In fact, uh, the NAIC, I know, uh, tried to put a, a larger conformed one out there with the hopes that the various states would utilize the data coming back from or the reporting coming back from that as their baseline. And I think that was you know, largely successful. I, I do know there were a couple uh, different iterations uh, out there with some of the states. But for the most part, that helped you know, with, with that per- particular reporting obligation. And then, of, of course, you know, other other types of data calls, you know, come in uh, all, all, all the time, including for, you know, cat losses and, and that sort of thing. And then uh, operational reporting, you know, resides in that particular function, uh, as well as the overall, you know, financial reporting, 
uh, for for the larger claim organization. So I know I kind of went into quite a bit of detail on on that. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that kind of provided some some broad context as to how we're structured in order to support the the various claim business divisions around Markel. Yeah, it certainly does, David. Thank you so much for sharing that detail with us. I think it's really important for the listeners to get that perspective, Mm -hmm. find out what's happening there before hearing some of the answers to your questions today. David, before we start off, can I ask you, what what is your coffee of choice in the morning? Uh, For for me, it is a caramel macchiato. That's, that's, That's my kryptonite. Uh, it's <laughs> completely unhealthy, but uh, but but I love it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the healthiest option, but it sounds like a bit of a treat. It, it is a treat. Uh, I, I do try to treat myself every once in a while to to a good caramel macchiato. So you should. So you should, David. First question for you today is: How did you break into the leadership position that you have now, and how did you find that transition from your previous role? Yeah, it uh, for, for for me, it, it was one of those situations where I, I think perhaps uh, others saw an opportunity for me before I may have recognized my own skill sets were were um, you know expanded or broad enough to kind of fill a particular role. So the, so the role became available, and, and I was uh, you know throughout the years at Markel, you know, you know building teams. Uh, overseeing, you know, professional liability lines of business, expanding into uh, new areas. Um, one of the really fascinating ones, uh, our, our cyber claims team, and 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 how those particular products have really evolved over the years, and working hand in hand with uh, underwriting and actuarial uh, to to help uh, build those particular products. But but also the underlying exposures themselves continue to change dramatically, <laughs> and, and it really. I would say uh, is is one of those areas that takes you outside your comfort zone, and and that's okay. Uh, and and quite honestly, um, one of the uh, the mantras, one of that I follow was uh, some some uh, guidance uh, shared with me by a very early mentor when I had the great opportunity to serve as a judicial extern uh, on the California Supreme Court when I was in law school, and um, when I had concluded that particular inter- externship. The justice, the associate justice, had shared with me. She said, "Dave, you know, um, you know, thank you for your service. Uh, you know, wherever you end up uh, in terms of your career and life, whether it's you know in, in a law firm or working for a Fortune 500 company, uh, always be looking to uh, find those opportunities and those projects, or that that really expand and grow your skill sets, and and really do take you outside your comfort zone, and." You know, she said that, and, and I didn't quite realize what that meant at the time. It, you know, uh, but I do. You know, o- over the course of my career, I've definitely learned that you, you by doing that uh, and by expanding those skill sets. She said, then there are going to be opportunities that arise um, every once in a while that it's it's going to be apparent that you you've you can you can jump into those particular roles, and you should absolutely raise your hand. And even if you think you can't do it, you know, just raise your hand and and stretch into that particular you know piece. And so um, that's that's kind of what happened uh, here, um, which was, you know, I was very very comfortable with you know professional liability. Of course, you know, learning different types of lines within that particular division. Uh, and when this particular opportunity became available, um, you know, it was like, oh, well, maybe maybe I can you know jump into that. But gosh, you know, I. I'm not the expert in, you know, 
you know, all these other areas. And, but, but, but the, the answer is, is you don't have to be, it's really more, you know, creating um, and building those teams and empowering those teams and, and understanding um, how to ask the right questions um, and having all folks who are smarter than you sitting at the table, you know, solutioning and, and, and figuring things out. So, um, so, so that it uh, that that's that's kind of how it came came into the particular role, and then the, the, the transition was, you know, a little bit like you know, um, you know, drinking from a fire hose, you know, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but but that's that's par for the course. I mean, not not just you know within you know my company. It's uh, I know that's the case with every company. I know that's the case in the industry, and, and it really is you know comes from from within to be able to you know step up and uh, be able to recognize that. Uh, you are going to be uh, a little bit uncomfortable, but but that's okay, you know. And 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 we should all be uh, maybe having a, a perspective that that's that's all right, you know. Yeah, getting outside of that comfort zone for a little while. The biggest achievement you've had so far in your leadership career? Yeah, from my perspective, it's the um, it, it's it's the teams, uh, and 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 the development of you know associates within the groups, and and seeing them. Um, elevate and expand and grow into other areas, whether it's, you know, in the, in the claim organization or in, you know, other parts of, uh, you know, Markel. And, and, and quite honestly, it's also uh, outside of Markel. Uh, there have been instances where individuals, um, you know, uh, had opportunities within the claim organization that, that reported directly to me that took the initiative on their own to, you know, take, um, you know, law school classes in the evenings and, uh, ended up, you know, taking the bar and, and moving into private practice, and I was very, very, you know, supportive of that. Even though I knew at the end of the day what that meant for that particular team or group, but but at the same time, it, it, again, if you're looking at individuals and teams, you know, achieving great things, and one person in particular I know currently, uh, she she made a partner in in her law firm, you know, last last year, and I was I was ecstatic to see that, you know. And, and, and it, it just brings me great joy when those that you've, um, I'd say, you know, coached or mentored, but at least, you know, created those uh, opportunities, you know, said, hey, you, you want to work on this particular project and, you know, kind of stretching, getting them outside their comfort zone, so to speak. Right. And, and then, uh, you know, having them realize, hey, I've, I've, I've got some, some great skill sets here. I can continue to expand and grow on that. And maybe I have a different path. But, but at the end of the day, that, that that's 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 what this is all about, right? Uh, the insurance industry is about relationships, and, and to me, that's that's one of the best best things about it is is seeing those relationships continue to strengthen and grow, even outside your own organization. Fantastic, Dave. That's a brilliant answer. Really, really appreciate that. Has there been a time in your career where you were overlooked for a position, or you you may have been unsuccessful in, in applying for a role? And how did you go about dealing with that? Yeah, that's a yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, before I stepped into this role, the the role that I had um, as as the director of U.S. professional liability, while I was able to uh, ultimately um, uh, obtain that role in in 2016, there there was an earlier um, uh, I'd say vacancy uh, for that particular role uh, previously, and uh, at the time I, I hadn't been at uh, Markel uh, too long. Uh, but but uh, I believe I, I kind of you know raised my hand and thought well you know you know I've kind of made that transition over from private practice you know I, I think I can 
kind of kind of step into the uh, into that. And to to be honest, looking back on that that time, uh, I I wasn't ready, you know. Uh, and 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 I'm glad that uh, to be honest that that I I didn't actually take on that or you know had the opportunity to take on that particular role uh, at, at that time. And you know, it, it was in those ensuing years as we continued to acquire you know um, more companies and then started folding those companies into you know the teams or you know rebuilding teams that uh, I acquired, I would say, additional skill sets to, to recognize, you know, how, you know, to, to truly, you know, achieve, uh, you know, a great organization and, and, and really amplify the skill sets of, of, of the folks uh, in, involved. So, um, so by the time that became available again to, to in 2016, I think I was in a much better you know, position again, because I had acquired you know, uh, those skill sets over those, you know, prior few years that it allowed me that opportunity to, to become, you know, a more logical choice uh, at, at that moment in time. Would you say that that original opportunity that you went for, that you still glad that you went for that opportunity because through that learning process made you better prepared for the next time around? A- absolutely. Yeah. I, I would a hundred percent, you know, you know, say you know, recommend to any of your, your, your listeners that, uh, you, you need to raise your hand and, 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 and really try to shape your career path and shape your future. And, and um, the, the way I've identified it um, uh, over the years uh, with, with various folks on the team as well is um, you don't really want others to, to define you or, or say, okay, I'm applying for this role and this role, you know, you put a box around it, uh, you know, kind of thing. In fact, you don't necessarily want there to be a box per se. Yes. Directionally, uh, you need to have a, a, a good, deep understanding of what that particular role brings to the table and how it helps the organization. But at the same time, you want individuals uh, that have that inner drive and desire and initiative to expand roles into, you know, into other areas that we're not thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because uh, if, if you have that mindset and you have folks who have also equally have that mindset, you can achieve great things, and and so that that's that's that that's that's you know I, that is the, the uh, a very good way to be be thinking about it. And, and yes, I am you know very glad that you know I, I did raise my hand you know for that particular you know role at role at the time. Moving into present day, David, how are you adopting new technology to to meet the needs of your customers at the moment? Yeah, that's it, a that's a fantastic question, especially since mid March of this year. Right? <laughs> so, um, I would I would certainly say that the move, uh, especially when there were great, you know, all the shelter in place orders were were at, at play, you know, the the move to a a, a primarily uh, almost exclusive remote workforce uh, from a technology perspective, uh, it was it was uh, somewhat of a challenge. I wouldn't say it was a a Herculean challenge. Our claim department historically had some flexibility when it came to working remotely to begin with. And, and I would certainly say that our IT department uh, has had the foresight um, several years ago to create platforms like a, a virtual desktop interface that we operate in, which has allowed the organization to much more easily uh, work from a remote environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so the, the, the challenges were you you have folks on a spectrum 
some who are very technologically enabled, and then others who may need a little bit more assistance. And, and it's trying to ensure that that entire spectrum is able to make the move over to a completely remote environment. Uh, and then, you know, how do you amplify that? How do you optimize that, right? And, and over the last, you know, several months, you know, we, we you know, been deploying, um, you know, various, you know, uh, technologies or, or you know, uh, exploring other collaborative tool sets uh, in order to help facilitate and drive that engagement. Um, you, you know, and, and so it's it, it certainly, you know, I mean, even when it comes to you know, while we handle, you know, specialty lines, you know, we've been piloting, you know, text messaging, uh, you know, software to allow us to engage, you know, with our, our, our policyholders and or, you know, distribution channel partners in a, in a uh, much more common experience or common way. And, you know, certainly there are other technologies that we've seen to help drive some of those efficiencies. There are automated process workflow tools that are uh, set forth in a low code or no code environment that uh, has, has allowed us to amplify our, our creativity. Uh, I, I always like to say um, that, uh, you know, technology in and of itself is not really impactful. It, it really just amplifies, you know, the human ingenuity, the creativity, the empathy um, that, that people, you know, desire and crave. And, and if you can utilize the technology to help drive that skill, those skills and, and that creativity, you're going to be in a much, much better position. And it, but, it's, but it's not a particular piece of software or a particular technology that does, does the work. It's, it's, it's really the humans that, that, you know, do it, but it brings added value or value-added skills to, yeah. to, to the table. Yeah. Amplifying what the human interaction can be for your customers. Precisely. Right. David, what do you see as the major challenges ahead for insurance executives and how should they go about adapting to be successful? Certainly, I think there are lots of opportunities and challenges uh, facing us as, as an insurance industry. From you know, uh, let's say just the most immediate um, you know, let's say tactical approaches on on site reentries as the shelter in place orders had ceased, or, or you know uh, how how to uh, you know carefully you know bring uh, folks back into an office uh, setting, uh, doing so in a very judicious, thoughtful, uh, and careful manner. Um, you know, always keeping the the associates uh, you know health and safety as as paramount and top of mind, right? And then, but, but that's kind of the more more immediate, you know, next four to six month, you know, kind kind of approach. Uh, I, I think one of the big challenges or opportunities is um, the, the the following period, you know, six, 12, 18, 24 months, you know, from now. What what does that look like? How does how does the the business of insurance uh, look, and how do folks wish to engage, you know, with us? Because that is really going to speak to issues of, um, you know, your, your workspaces, um, you know, as, as commercial leases are, are coming uh, up set to expire, you know, whether those footprints uh, need to change or evolve. Another major component of that is the technology that we're utilizing. Uh, you're, it's presumably there's going to need to really be um, a malleability and a flexibility between on-site technology resources and those who are continuing to, continuing to work remotely or a hybrid model, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and then lastly, the, you know, the, the people and the individuals, you know, have, having folks in a, in a more remote environment, uh, you know, allows you to, from a, a talent perspective, uh, recruit a bit more broadly, right. Uh, than 
than perhaps you had an opportunity before. I'm sure you're seeing that uh, in your line of work, Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the immediate you know, kind of the personnel technology, you know, uh, you know, uh, workspace piece for the industry, but then there's also the entire, uh, you know, the underlying, you know, policyholders, uh, what areas uh, may, may be, you know, I'd say fading a little bit and which areas may be really amplified uh, in, in, in the future. And I think there's a great uncertainty around that uh, in, in, in trying to be able to read the tea leaves, so to speak, on on what areas of focus may be uh, fruitful, other areas that may not be uh, as fruitful is, is, is quite a challenge um, given, you know, uh, human behavior and has as human behavior, uh, you know, changed at least uh, in, in the near term here for um, in, in, in some significant ways. And then the last, but you know, not least part of that uh, too, uh, and again, this is with my old attorney hat on, is the ever-changing legal, regulatory, compliance landscape, yeah. and then the decisional authority in the courts. <laughs> that that's uh, you know, if 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 COVID has uh, you know taught us anything, it's that there will continue to be an evolution, you know, in in, in that particular area, in that particular space, in in. We need to be mindful and flexible in our approaches uh, when, when, it, when it comes to recognizing that and, and how do you identify the best path forward when, when things are, are shifting in, in that particular way. You know, uh, you know, top of mind, uh, for example, comes, um, uh, you know, with the court closures that had taken place. And, you know, there's some courts that have, have reopened, but there's still some that are a little bit more uh, in, in lockdown. What, what does that mean for claim valuations on, on litigated claims? I, I don't I don't know if anyone any of us have have a true answer as to what what that might mean or what that might look like. We know what the variables are, but but it, it's it's really I, I I mentioned to folks that this year in particular is one of the best times to be working in a claims department at an insurance company. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating what's what's taking place right now. It's very fascinating. I would say that the claims part of the insurance division, the insurance industry as a whole, mm-hmm. is probably the hardest area to actually try and predict what's going to happen. You've got new regulations which can come in, which can just completely change the landscape. You mentioned earlier the courts, the the judicial precedent that can completely turn things on its head for you, unlike some of the other areas of broking and underwriting. So mm-hmm. I think thinking claims, it's it, it must be very difficult to plan too far ahead and you've always got to be agile and adapt to the new environment that will inevitably be there. Right, precisely, exactly. Great, Dave brings us nicely on to the espresso round with the questions are short, sharp and straight to the point. So can mm-hmm. I ask you, David, are you ready for the espresso round? Absolutely, yes, yes. Fantastic. The espresso round. David, what are the characteristics about Markel that makes it such a great place to work at? So I, what I would share is that uh, it is the characteristics and the culture are, are codified in um, what, what's called the Markel style. And this was a, a, a document penned a few decades ago by, by our leadership uh, teams. And the first line of, of the style talks about how, it, you know, we believe in hard work uh, and a zealous pursuit of excellence while maintaining a sense of humor. And, and while there are other characteristics that are very, very critically important in, in there, I, I love that line. Uh, we, you know, we, 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 you know, love to work hard. Um, you know, we, we, we definitely, uh, you know, we work hard, we work smart. Um, you know, we really have a, 
you know, we really have a zealous pursuit of excellence. We hold each other to very high standards. You know, we hold each other to those high standards. Uh, you know, those uh, vendor partners that we work with to, to high standards. And, and I think that is a very important thing. Uh, but but the third and most critical pillar of that is we maintain a sense of humor. We're able to laugh at ourselves. We're out able to laugh with one another. And, and, I, and I think that chemistry creates a, a dynamic that makes it a a really great place to work. Um, so I'll, I know this is the espresso round. There are other pieces I could go into, but, but, but those are, the, those are three core ones for us. That definitely sounds very unique to a carrier, David. That's, that's for sure. Having a sense yeah. of being key there. David, what opportunities do you provide to high performing insurance professionals and leaders who want to progress their career to the next level? Yeah. I mean, we, we certainly, you know, have, you know, more, you know, formal, you know, structures in place and creating, you know, opportunities, you know, whether through, you know, joint projects or collaborations, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. And again, it's the way, the best way to think about it is as opposed to kind of putting the, the guardrails up and kind of doing the day-to-day role, you know, for those who we, you know, we've identified as, as our future leaders, and we're always thinking about succession planning, you know, we want to identify, those opportunities and projects that help bring, uh, you know, those priorities across the organization where you are truly interfacing uh, with those outside your immediate team, maybe you're outside your department, but across the organization and perhaps outside the organization in order to, to, to drive toward those, uh, those uh, solutions. So um, that, that's, that's one area that I, I think there are plenty of uh, great opportunities uh, for, for our future leaders. And, and what do you look for in skills or behaviors in um, executives or insurance professionals that you bring into your team? We, we certainly look for uh, transparency, uh, you know, s- strong communication skills, something I'd park in that uh, the humility servant leader, uh, you know, type you know, perspective, as well as um, what I'd say, I probably would say when it comes down to it, in terms of our leadership roles, we're looking for those who build teams uh, and empower those individuals to really advance and amplify. And again, it goes back to um, uh, you, you may have you know heard Steve uh, the the quote from Steve Jobs about how you know you don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. You hire smart people to tell have them tell you what to do. And it 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 really is true. It's very simple. But but uh, creating that environment uh, and asking those you know the, those questions that help you know guide and and um, you know, uh, steer a conversation uh, and, and bring and amplify, you know, the best out of those, especially those who maybe are a little bit more introverted, a little bit more naturally quiet. Uh, you you want to create those opportunities to, to allow them to step up and, 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 and share their, their brilliance. You know, I, I love that quote, David, as well. I think, I think that's fantastic. I think far too many people are taken on in a particular role and, and they're just told what to do. And then right that freedom mm-hmm. to go and express themselves and to also give across their point of view and, and what they've experienced either at different uh, companies or within different industries, different ways of working. So I think that's a um, fantastic perspective to have. Moving on from that, what do you find is the largest challenge when attracting talent to the organisation, whether that's from a law firm background or from within the insurance industry and, and and what frustration do you get sometimes with the recruitment process? This was also maybe parked in a pre-COVID and post-COVID response, you know, because you know, pre-COVID, you know, the, the, the challenges and, and frustrations were more probably aligned to, 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking and, and I know the teams are always looking for, for, for the top talent. And, and we always want to create, you know, uh, a diverse you know, slate of candidates, right? Folks with different you know, perspectives, you know, backgrounds. Uh, it, it, and, and, and we have a very strong you know, diversity and inclusion you know, initiative at Markel uh, to, to ensure that we're, uh, you know, um, basically, you know, recruiting individuals, you know, across a very broad spectrum of, of backgrounds uh, and skill sets. And, and, and sometimes, again, pre-COVID, um, if, if there were particular offices or areas, um, you know, the, the, the pool of candidates, you know, maybe perhaps were a little bit narrower. I think that's opened up quite a bit, actually. Again, now, now that we're in, in, a, in a more remote environment. And, and, and I think we need to be thinking about it that way, as well as the uh, ability then to, uh, re, you know, recruit and select, you know, the, the, the best talent. You want the best person for that particular role and, and, and be thinking about it that way. Uh, another area that I know historically uh, folks tended to focus on were the, what I'd call like the, the technical expertise for a particular role, as opposed to um, looking for the skill sets or the transferable skill sets that would help someone succeed in, in, in the role that they're in. So, so for example, when, when bringing somebody over from private practice uh, in, in, in my old role, uh, you, you know, being able to uh, assess coverage uh, and, and, and really do you know, a, a deep dive into a coverage investigation and an analysis, there were folks who were like, well, they, they needed to you know, be in the insurance industry previously at another carrier uh, or, or maybe have a, um, a background in uh, policy you know, drafting and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, well, no, I mean, yours truly, for example, you know, I, I didn't have that background coming to, to Markel at all, uh, but I did have a commercial litigation background uh, in bre breach of contract litigation and I said, a policy is, I mean, it's the functional equivalent of, of a contract. It is a contract, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a contract, but all the ties go to the runner is, is how I like to say it a little bit. But uh, in, in that setting, if you, if you have a strong skill set in being able to, you know, digest, analyze all the amendments or addendums or exhibits to a particular contract, uh, you know, and, and, and bring that all together and understand the, the facts as they present themselves, that is a transferable skill set in this particular setting. And so, again, I know that when I've tried to read the tea leaves of, of resumes over the years, I was always focused on the skill sets and less on the technical expertise or the years of someone's technical expertise. Not, not that they didn't have that skill set, but recognizing that you may want to you know, you, you have a broader pool to choose from if, if you're focused uh, on, on the former rather than the latter. I think that's particularly the case when you're looking to bring people in from outside industries. You, mm -hmm. you don't want to just be interviewing the lawyers who have made that decision that they want to work in insurance, which might be 10 mm -hmm. 5% of, of, of the market. But actually, you want to hear from a real broad range of lawyers who maybe haven't contemplated that opportunity before and but they're the best people out there and actually through educating them about the opportunity and showing okay. them what sort of career they can have in this great industry i think um it, it gives you a lot more scope and actually you can then really really attract the the top performers rather than just those who um decided one day that insurance might be a good career for them precisely precisely yeah absolutely 
Fantastic. And David, in our last question in the espresso round, can I ask what advice you'd have for any insurance executives out there in the United States who possibly considering a move at the moment? What what would be your advice be to them? Yeah, my my, my advice there um, uh, thematically sounds in some of, the, of our other uh, earlier points of our conversation, which, which is you know continue to um, you, you know expand your your skill sets. Um, you know, from from your current role, uh, you know, looking for those opportunities that that take you outside your comfort zone, and, and um, uh, you know, also a, a key thing, especially if if you're in a, an executive in in an industry outside of insurance, you know, perhaps reaching out um, and 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 having informational interviews, uh, not not so much for a particular role, but just having a better understanding of perhaps a comparable position. Uh, in in the insurance industry and what that means, right? It, you know, so, some of these roles uh, span across uh, uh, you know uh, different industries, and and to have that understanding or deeper understanding in in those other areas, you know, will allow you to to perhaps you know gauge your in, your own interest in in perhaps moving into in, in an area you know such as an insurance, you know. Fantastic. I think the more amount of information we can we can get to those guys and to educate them mm-hmm. better. David, we've reached the end of our time today in the Insurance Coffee House USA. But before we go, can I just ask if you have one final piece of closing advice for our listeners? How do they go about contacting you after the show? Yeah, uh, in, in terms of uh, a, a closing thought, uh, again, you know, I hearken back to, to, to one of my first mentors uh, uh, when I was you know, serving as a judicial extern um, uh, with, the, with the California Supreme Court. And, and I shared earlier in the conversation some of the final piece of advice that she had shared with me. But now I, I turn back to, to day one. And, and when I first uh, stepped foot into uh, her office, I, I remember, you know, I was really, really excited. I was her first judicial extern and uh, she had just been appointed uh, to, to the high court. And I remember asking her, uh, so, so what do I get to do? And, and uh, she had shared with me, she's like, no, Dave, that's, that's not quite the right question. What do you want to do? And uh, I said, well, I, you know, I sat there, I paused and I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'd, I'd love to, to, you know, review appellate briefs before, before the high court and make a recommendation as to whether we should, you know, grant or deny review. And, and I know she was, she was smiling at me thinking, okay, here's a young law student. <laughs> and she's like, well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can, you know, you know, have a research attorney sitting with you, working with you uh, to kind of help with that process. And in fact, she, she afforded me that opportunity. And and I always always look back on that as you know the piece of advice is um, you know really uh, shape your experience um, you know if if you have an opportunity uh, don't don't ask what you can do but you know share what what, what you want to do uh, and and um, I, I, you know take ownership of 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 your career and and it's not just you know that path and that learning but it's also you know how to how to help the, the broader organization, right? And when those things are aligned, you know, great, incredible things can happen. So, so that 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 would be my uh, my my last bit of uh, parting advice. And in terms of getting in contact with me, uh, I am um, available on LinkedIn. Uh, I am the only uh, David Vanalek in in the entire world, <laughs> so it's uh, pr- pretty pretty easy to find me. Uh, or, or uh, alternatively, if, if uh, you want to reach out by email, uh, I'm at david.vanalik at markel.com. 
uh, and, and um, you know, ha- happy to, 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 to respond if, if you wish to, to, to reach out in, in, in that way as well. Thank you very much, David. And of course, we'll post those contact details on the show notes for today's episode. David, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you coming in and joining us in the Insurance Coffee House USA today. I think your insights have been really, really enlightening, particularly moving from a legal background into the insurance industry. I think that's really fascinating, um, your career and what insights you, you have for other insurance business leaders out there. Yeah, you know, thank you, Nick, uh, and, and thanks to uh, uh, to the podcast and for 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 having me today. This has been remarkable. I really have enjoyed myself. I'm very glad to hear it. And to all our insurance business leaders out there listening today, whether you're based in the United States or internationally in the UK or across Europe, we thank you for listening. And I'm sure you would have gained a lot from hearing from David today. If you do enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on your podcast app. And remember to download and subscribe to the show so that you get the Insurance Coffee House episodes straight into your inbox each week. Till next time, I've been Nick Hoadley. This has been the Insurance Coffee House USA. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.